This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, helping you unlock money you didn't know you had. Members-only discounts that can save you tons. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby Zneimer. While some families in Israel and around the world are reunited following the gradual release of Hamas hostages, will all the remaining captives make it home? I do hope, but uh, you didn't invite me to speak as a dreamer. I don't see a scenario during which Ihe Sinwar, the leader of... Uh, Hamas terror organization will free all the hostages. And you don't need a red suit or a hearty <laughs> to bring a smile to that memory of the child in all of us. I don't think anyone looks in the mirror and recognizes that child they remember, you know. And so that sense of receiving a gift and the elation with that doesn't go away. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. There's a push in Key West, Florida, to limit the size and number of cruise ships that visit the area, although Governor Ron DeSantis favors expanded cruise ship operations. Environmentalists say the ships pollute the water and threaten coral reefs, but local tour operators, shop owners, and others say they rely on cruise ship passengers to make a living. Before the pandemic, nearly a million a year visited Key West aboard cruise ships. DeSantis expected to make a decision on this This month, New Zealand has long been a leader in the battle against tobacco, but its ambitious plan to reduce smoking may be in jeopardy. A new prime minister was recently sworn in, and insiders say strict anti-smoking laws will likely become a casualty of the compromises needed to form a coalition government. As part of the government's smoke-free 2025 policy, New Zealand amended its tobacco laws with an aim of reducing the number of smokers in the country to just 5% by 2025. The coalition agreement calls for a repeal of the anti-smoking legislation before next March. As we age, it can become harder to get a good night's sleep, and researchers want to know why. One explanation may have to do with the brain. Scientists at Stanford University found a cluster of neurons responsible for wakefulness became overly stimulated in older mice, disrupting their sleep cycles. They also say melatonin levels, which play an important role in the sleep-wake cycles, can also go awry with age. Good news? Just 40 minutes of exercise, four times a week, has been shown to help older adults fall and stay asleep faster and longer. Another group of patients is singing the praises of Ozempic as a weight loss wonder drug. Women can gain up to a pound and a half per year during the so-called menopause transition, which can last up to a decade. And many say they struggle to lose the extra weight. Doctors are now increasingly prescribing Ozempic to menopausal women, but there are fears that semaglutide drugs could affect bone density as well as changes in muscle mass already compromised due to a loss of estrogen. 
The person known as the historian of Mount Everest has died. 87-year-old Audrey Salkeld was fascinated by the man who'd successfully scaled the mysterious and deadly peak in the Himalayas and wanted to understand how and why. A climber herself, Salkeld made two trips to Everest. She never made it to the top, but climbed to within 8,000 feet of the summit. I'm Bob Comsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. There's no scenario where a former senior Israeli army officer sees Hamas freeing all remaining hostages. Moti Crystal also served for several years in various official negotiation capacities in the Prime Minister's office and Israel's Ministry of Defense, and for the past 22 years, an expert negotiator in the private sector. What do you make of the situation the two sides find themselves in now with the captives? Well, I think that we are now in the last phases of a deal which uh, was defined uh, rightfully humanitarian deal in exchange of the release of these uh, helpless children and and mothers and Holocaust survivors. Israel um, gave Hamas things that uh, they really wanted. First of all, uh, Israel gave uh, days of ceasefire Israel uh, allowed um, a significant supply into uh, Gaza and uh, release of Palestinian prisoners from Israeli prison for any one hostage that was released. Three Palestinians uh, were released from Israeli prison in relevant categories, mainly female terrorists and um, uh, young uh, Palestinians who committed uh, not very serious offenses. That was the deal. And uh, the deal itself carried incentive mechanism, which actually, if Hamas allowed Hamas to extend the ceasefire in consideration of releasing additional um, uh, hostages under these categories, uh, we now see Hamas interest to extend it further and they can release additional um, uh, children and women who are in their hands, again, in order to gain more and more days of no Israel military offensive, no Israeli military advancement. Do you think that the remaining captives can all be released alive? I do hope. I don't see a scenario during which Ihe Sinwar, the leader of... uh, Hamas terror organization will free all the hostages alive. Why? Because he uses, in particular, the most sensitive uh, of them, sensitive in what he sees as Israel's public perception, naming the soldiers and the female soldiers. He sees them as a human shield. So I, I don't see him voluntarily agree to uh, get rid of this uh, of this human shield. So you expect there will be casualties in order for Israel to carry out what it says, all of its goals, which includes to wipe out Hamas. Yeah, uh, probably there will have to be casualties. We already suffered casualties, significant numbers, uh, both in the barbaric attack of Hamas, but also during the uh, fights. Uh, Israel is in a war. Those who uh, support Hamas terror regime do not call for two-state solution. 
they don't call for a division of the land between an independent Palestinian state and a, an in, and a Jewish state. No, they call for the river to the sea, which means to wipe off Israel. Israel is in a war, not only for its mere right to exist as a Jewish and democratic state, but also for its security in order to prevent such a massacre Uh, which I, I don't see any other country, Western country around the world, not reacting as, uh, as, as Israel um, uh, reacted. Being a former senior member of the IDF, as well as all your experience in crisis negotiations, just wondering how what has happened maybe has changed your views as an Israeli? I was, uh, for many years, I was part of the Israeli government negotiation with the Palestinians, participated in the 2000 Camp David Peace Summit. I have thousands of hours negotiating, not in crisis, but in peace negotiations with our Palestinian colleagues. The fact that Israel went under this barbaric attack and an overwhelming majority of my colleagues, of Palestinians, do not condemn the attack and the cruelty behind it. Really shook all my previous concepts. We believed, I was part of the, you know, shrinking uh, peace camp in Israel, which believed that uh, we, if we will provide uh, enough uh, incentives if we will provide enough uh, rights to the Palestinians, uh, they will live in peace uh, with us. Uh, we all woke up in the on October 7th, understanding that overwhelming majority of our Palestinian neighbors do not, are not interested in leaving us in peace. And uh, the moment they will uh, see or believe that uh, Israel is in a weak position because of our significant internal rifts, which we uh, underwent in the last uh, year, they will take advantage, try to wipe us off the map. Well, there's some uh, good news for us and uh, bad news for our uh, neighbors. It won't happen. Uh, after the Holocaust, never again. Uh, we got a significant hit. But uh, see the Israeli public, see the support, see the military might. I'm sure that our neighbors see what's happening and they understand that the, the road to live in peace will have to go through a significant payment, which they will have to pay unless they will seize all hostilities. Moti Crystal, thank you so much for your time and for your uh, expert views on, uh, obviously, a horrific situation in the Middle East, unprecedented, and uh, from your perspective. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Moti Crystal, retired Israeli Army Lieutenant Colonel and longtime crisis negotiator. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, how you can be a Santa to a senior. We actually have a program this year where we're partnering with about 300 
kids from the Catholic District School Board who are, are providing cards, sort of Christmas cards and, and well wishes and uh, holiday cards for the recipients to go along with the presents to sort of connect that intergenerational bridge. So it's been a, it's been a really worthwhile program there too for all ages. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. The shriek of a boy or girl Christmas morning when they opened their presents, overjoyed they got what they wanted. For that child in most of the rest of us, That's a present in itself, and for most of us, luckily, not the only one. But what about those seniors who may not otherwise get gifts? Home Instead partners with nursing homes and other groups interested in bringing them presents and smiles with its Be a Santa to a Senior program, as Mark McLean explains. 20 years ago, one of the Home Instead offices uh, in North America helped out what effectively was a long-term care facility. Uh, for seniors that were living with some pretty serious deficits and, and lacking family support. And 20 years later, that's grown to about 2.2 million gifts uh, and 800,000 seniors supported through North America. And uh, we have about 65,000 volunteers that do it every year. And one of the driving forces behind it is is, is like the work we do every day. We're, we're, we're trying to mitigate isolation in seniors uh, and with seniors. And um, at this time of year, you know, for everyone's holidays, it can be challenging if, if you don't have family or, or your family's not near, you know, um, and uh, it can it sort of highlights some of the ice, feelings of isolation they may be having already. And so we try to move against that a little bit and, and provide some support and let them know that there's people in the community that are caring for them. Someone listening might not necessarily require the service, but likes the idea of what you're doing and would feel good about helping out. How could he or she, they do so and in in what manner? So usually about this time of year, we have partnered with long-term care facilities, other partners who support seniors in the community. And so a lot of our recipients are sort of designated, right? When we reach out to the community, we have, we have corporate partners and we have individual partners. Our Toronto East office is uh, supporting people with a, a Christmas tree right in their office. So you can call them and talk to them right at their office. You can go to the website, which is beasantatoasenior.ca, which can direct you to, to other locations that have individual donations, which is essentially like a tree. It could be a real tree or it might be a digital tree that provides a gift. We have our offices in uh, Markham and Vaughan and Etobicoke, also partnering with different retirement homes and long-term care facilities. So you can feel free to call any of our home instead offices and we can direct you to an appropriate donation site and we can make sure that that gift gets to someone who absolutely needs it. You know, you, you normally associate this time of year with kids, but in this case, it's a situation of connecting with someone who, as you say, is lonely, but maybe a kid at heart, if you will. I don't think anyone looks in the mirror and recognizes that child they remember, you know, that sense of receiving a gift and the elation with that doesn't go away. That sort of sense of joy and celebration is always important in someone's life. And and we like to help facilitate that if possible. 20 years ago, you came up with this. Things have taken off. Back in year one of, of this program, what was it that made Home Instead look at this and say, not just one, let's take this a little wider? 
it was what we like to call our, I think the core of the work we do. It was a word of mouth personal need. It was in that community at that time, there was a need and that need was expressed beautifully. And that joy and beauty was shared very quickly across North America because the need exists in every community, but it needs to be expressed uniquely locally. So in many ways, even in Toronto, in the different communities, it's expressed slightly differently in different facilities or in different community organizations. But it is very much a personal effort. You know, we, we try to personalize it like our care to the needs of the individuals. And I think that's really what caught on, that there would be an individual providing a wonderful gift and a sense of joy to another individual. Even if they didn't know them directly and personally, they certainly knew that they were bringing someone a smile. And, and that is it's a pretty easy sell. <laughs> so, and, and it grew pretty fast. So let's kind of move that spotlight a little bit off of the Be a Santa to a Senior program and let's put it on Home Instead. Uh, tell us a little bit about just how Home Instead came to be, because, again, someone listening might say, interesting, I don't think I've heard of the program Home Instead. Well, again, 25 years ago, our original founders were wrestling with care for his grandmother. Paul Hogan was trying to find some support for his grandmother and uh, ended up establishing a staff person to come into the home and, and do that. And that was identified in his, in his local uh, faith community as something that was really effective. He provided that opportunity for a couple of other people. And in about uh, three to five years, he had established a, a network of offices across central U.S. and uh, 21 years ago, came into the first office in Canada. And so we operate in people's homes, uh, where they call home. It's not always a house, but we provide personalized care services to people who need it. We try to fill the gaps, you know, supporting families and government work where it's needed. And that's really sort of what we've been called to do in this is to provide the kind of support families require in a personal way when they require it. And we hope to achieve that with people. That's, that's sort of the goal. Mark, congratulations on what you do, not only this time of year, but year-round for so many years that some people might not be aware of unless uh, they had to reach out uh, or maybe a loved one has has managed to receive some assistance uh, from uh, Home Instead, but uh, well done. Thank you. Well, they can come and see us anytime at homeinstead.ca, and one of my colleagues will be happy to support them. Mark McLean of Home Instead and its successful Be a Santa to a Senior program. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.